For those of you that don't know me, I'm Blaze Culleton. Uh, I'm one of the elders here at Buffalo City Church, uh, recently installed by the members of, of Buffalo City Church in that capacity earlier this summer. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm excited to bring the Word of God to you this morning. It's kind of interesting, Caleb, I didn't realize was going to talk a little bit of an introduction of, of our fourth anniversary and, and what we're celebrating today. Um, but it was, it's, it's such a blessing as we reflect on what God is doing in our midst. We can reflect on the goodness that he has done here at Buffalo City Church. It's so amazing as I look out here to see the people that he's brought together in our church family, how he's united us in Christ Jesus. Right As we look along, along these faces and, and see everyone in our midst, right, we're not united by a socioeconomic status. Right? We're not united by having lots of kids together right, and being in the same stage of life in our families. No, we rejoice as the local church that we're united in Christ Jesus. And I'm excited as I think back to just four years ago, some of the, the maturity that we've seen. That our growth has not only been in numbers here at Buffalo City Church, but more importantly, has been in maturity and an understanding of who God is. Maturity that has produced an outworking of love for one another and an outworking of care and compassion for our fellow fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. So as we think about that, right, we think and we acknowledge and we remember our Creator, Christ Jesus. That then leads us here to the, this morning to the book of Ecclesiastes. This time I'd ask you to go ahead and open up your Bibles to Ecclesiastes chapter 11. We'll be looking at chapter 11 verse 7 through chapter 12 verse 8. It says, Light is sweet and it is pleasant for the eyes to see the sun. So if a person lives many years, let him rejoice in them all. But let him remember that the days of darkness will be many. All that comes is vanity. Rejoice, O young man, in your youth, and let your heart cheer you in the days of your youth. Walk in the ways of your heart and the sight of your eyes. But know that for all these things, God will bring you into judgment. Remove vexation from your heart and put away pain from your body, for youth and the dawn of life are vanity. Remember also your Creator in the days of your youth. Before the evil days come and the years draw near, of which you will say, I have no pleasure in them. Before the sun and the light and the moon and the stars are darkened and the clouds return after the sun. In the day when the keepers of the house tremble and the strong men are bent, and the grinders cease because they are few, and those who look through the windows are dimmed, and the doors on the street are shut. When the sound of the grinding is low and one rises up at the sound of the bird and all the daughters of song are brought low. They are, all, they are afraid also of what is high and terrors are in the way. The almond tree blossoms, the grasshopper drags itself along and desire fails because man is going to his eternal home 
and the mourners go about the streets. Before the silver cord is snapped, or the golden bowl is broken, or the pitcher is shattered at the fountain, or the wheel broken at the cistern, and the dust returns to the earth as it was, and the spirit returns to God who gave it. Vanity of vanities, says the preacher, all is vanity. In taking a step back and looking at the whole of the book of Ecclesiastes, the book began in chapter 1 with a poem about the unending cycles in nature. And as we now turn to the end here in chapter 12, we see a poem about the ending of human life. The opening poem in chapter 1 made the point that a generation goes and a generation comes, but the earth remains forever. The closing poem here states that all must go to their eternal home and that dust returns to the earth as it was. Both the opening and the closing here add a familiar overtone of vanity of vanities, all is vanity. These bookends in the book of Ecclesiastes and the structure of this book is quite thought-provoking. With the unending cycles of nature and the finite, quickly-ending cycle of human life, it invites us to consider our place in these cycles. The preacher is encouraging us to consider our role, our purpose, and how we find our identity when we are but a blip on the radar of eternity here on earth. As we hone in on this set of verses in chapters 11 and 12 this morning, we will see that while life includes the cheer of youth, the preacher is urging us to be reminded of our mortality, exhibited by the evidence of old age and death, as a way to remember our Creator and ultimately rejoice in the, our days under the, under the sun, especially our youth. We remember our Creator in light of the truth of the gospel and what Christ has done on our behalf, overcoming sin and death, so that our future is not defined by aging and death, but eternal life. To unpack these ideas, we will look at first the reminder of our mortality through old age and death, and secondly, the command to remember our Creator and rejoice, especially in our youth. As I sat next to my grandpa John in January, it was harrowing to see someone so feeble and weak. Someone that I knew as strong and full of life and humor. Who enjoyed nothing more than a conversation about Cardinals baseball. He was barely able to speak more than a whisper of a yes or a no. He was unable to walk or feed himself. Parkinson's disease had made for a rapid decline. One that really was hard for me to imagine until I sat in his presence and looked into his sad, ready-to-go eyes. 
A month later, I found myself in the company of my Uncle Michael, normally the most energetic and outgoing person in our family get-togethers. He was no longer himself. The effects of pain and exhaustion from fighting cancer left him without his normal smile. Left him unable to hold conversations that he so easily enjoyed. Both my grandpa in January and my uncle in March passed away. And for the first time in quite some time, I found myself in the face and in the presence of physical decline and death. As I began to reflect on my time and experiences with my grandpa and uncle, I found myself wanting to focus on the young, strong, energetic versions of them I once knew. The words and stories that I brought through tears at their funerals were focused on times of youthful energy, vibrant conversation, care, and compassion that they exhibited in their lives. But also, I found myself reflecting on the fickleness of life. The reality and truth of James 4.14 resonated in my heart, yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. The vast expanse of eternity, their lives here on earth and mine as well, are but quickly fleeting. My identity and joy is not in my ability to walk, right God? Surely I would still find purpose and joy if I wasn't able to converse with those around me, wouldn't I? By seeing the suffering and decay, the Lord was spurring me to respond and know that my identity, my purpose, my joy is not in the situations and circumstances of life, but is in Him. In Christ alone. And like in chapter 12, verse 1, was I was being asked in this moment of reflection to remember my Creator. And so similar to my thoughts and experiences with decay and death this past year in the Culleton family, the preacher here in chapter 12 reminds us that challenging and suffering comes with old age and that we must turn to our Creator before the darkness of old age overtakes. Remember your Creator before the evil days come and the years draw near of which you will say, I have no pleasure in them. In old age, it is easy to become bitter, skeptical, resentful, that there's nothing anymore worth, worth pursuing unless we have been consistently pointing our eyes to remember our Creator. To see and understand every day His mercy and grace. Remember your Creator before the sun and the light and the moon and the stars are darkened and the clouds return after the rain. 
Remember your Creator before the day when the keepers of the house tremble. Before the strong men are bent. Before your grinders cease because there are few. Your teeth fall out and don't work. Before those who look through the windows are dimmed, your eyesight begins to fail. Remember your Creator before the doors on the street are shut. When the sound of grinding is low and all the daughters of song are brought low. Before your hearing begins to fail. And before one rises up at the sound of a bird, when you struggle to sleep, and you can't help but rise early. Remember your Creator before new fears develop. In old age, you begin to fear heights because the damage and repercussion of a fall becomes much greater. Before that happens, remember your Creator. Remember your Creator before sexual desire fails. Here in verse 5, desire is translated as caperberry, which is actually, in Hebrew, it's, it's translated from caperberry, which is an aphrodisiac. And the prospect of failed sexual desire would be a tough reality for many of Solomon's hearers who very much indulged and worship sex in many cases like our culture today. He's calling us before the desi- your sexual desires vanish, remember your Creator. Remember your Creator before the precious materials are broken. A silver cord, a golden bowl, a pitcher at the fountain, a wheel at the cistern. These things represent the material things in our lives. Sometimes in our short-sighted perspective seen as valuable and precious. But as we know, fail and break and cause sometimes much frustration. And in a tone of finality to our time on earth, we must remember your Creator before death overtakes you. As it says in verse 7, the dust returns to the earth as it was and the Spirit returns to God who gave it. Each of these things in which we are asked to remember our Creator before are created things. Our strength and physical ability, our sight and our hearing, our sexual desire, the materials and wares that are available to us in this world are created things by God. We ourselves, our lives, are a creation from God. And unfortunately, we know in our sin and brokenness that we can easily fall into the trap of focusing on the creation and not the Creator. We focus on the physical, tangible realities of the here and now instead of the eternal, all-powerful reality of our Creator. 
the call here by the preacher is to remember our Creator. You see, the preacher pointing us to the decay in old age and the reality of our mortality is truly pointing us towards a key element of the gospel message. The first statement, the beginning of our understanding of the gospel. While we were still sinners. While sin still existed. While we were against God and rebellious. Christ came down from heaven to die a death that we deserve. So that if we put our faith and trust in Christ Jesus, we will spend eternity with Him. If we aren't willing to humble ourselves and acknowledge that we are sinners in need of a Savior, that we ourselves cannot overcome sin and death, and the reality is pointed out in this poem, we aren't able to accept the Gospel that He has so freely given to us in Christ Jesus. If we refuse to understand that death and decay and suffering and trials are an element of sin, are a part of the fall, then what Christ has done in overcoming sin and death is of little value. But church, as followers of Christ, as those who have been chosen to take up our cross and follow Him, we acknowledge that sin exists in our world. We acknowledge that we are sinful. We recognize that because of the fall, sin exists until Christ returns. And therefore, we are sinners in need of a Savior provided in Christ Jesus. We acknowledge that our sin requires the cleansing blood of Jesus. In a world and a culture that values youth and energy, Seeing the realities of aging is a humbling experience. At worst, we become cranky and bitter, struggling to see and understand our purpose when we've known and our when we've seen what is taken from us in our physical reality. We can find ourselves maybe challenging the sovereignty of God or our connection with and understanding of God. If I understood this to be purpose and joy, why would God take it from me now? We may incorrectly see that the purpose we were seeing was incorrectly attributed to the treasure or gift from God. Our physical reality is but a creation instead of seeing that the purpose was to point to Him as our Creator. So in this wisdom of the preacher, and ultimately in the wisdom of Christ crucified, we are called to remember our Creator. To recognize and acknowledge that our Creator defines and provides our purpose, which extends far greater than the physical realities of life. The days of difficulty will come as part of life under the sun, but against that, we look to our Creator and rejoice in eternal life. 
In verse 7, it says, Light is sweet and it is pleasant for the eyes to see the sun. The preacher here is acknowledging that light is better than darkness and that there is goodness in life. Despite sin and shame, despite pain and suffering, despite decay and old age, and our ultimate physical return to the dust, it is pleasant to see the sun. Rejoice, the preacher says, in the goodness of life. The preacher continues in verse 8, So if a person lives many years, let him rejoice in them all. And in verse 9, the command, Rejoice, O young man, in your youth, and let your heart cheer you in the days of your youth. This command is to rejoice in all of your years. But we see here in verse 9 that it's an especially poignant call to youth, right? Or to the young. We may ask ourselves, why in verse 9 would the preacher say, rejoice, O young man, in your youth? Why not just leave it as it has in verse 8, to rejoice in all of your years? I think there's a couple reasons. First, In our youth, there's much to rejoice. As evidenced in the opposite of what we see in this poem in chapter 12, there is energy. Your body is free of pain and strong. There are dreams and desires and aspirations for what seems like an eternity to achieve them. There is education and launched careers. There are weddings and romance, the birth of children and creation of families. While full of their own set of difficulties and challenges, in youth there is much growth and flourishing in life. Rejoice, says the preacher, as there is much to rejoice about in the days of your youth. I know for me, this is, can be quite convicting, right? It's easy to see the challenges and difficulties in front of us, the day-to-day challenges and troubles that come with raising young children. But here, this reminds me that the only reason that is difficult is because my eyes are away from Him. That my eyes are pointed away for a brief period from the Creator. So, we rejoice in our youth. But also deeper than the fact that in our youth there is a lot to, be, uh, to rejoice about, I think deeper than that, the preacher is describing to the wisdom of patting, patterning our lives around remembering our Creator. That in our old age we will turn to the patterns of our youth. If we find ourselves in our youth willing and able to acknowledge and accept and point our eyes to our Creator, in old age that will be a little easier. Now this call to rejoice in all the years of our lives, notably in youth, is actually the 
seventh time that we see in the book of Ecclesiastes to rejoice. Chapter 2 has a call to rejoice in our drink and in our meals. In chapter 3, 4, 6, 7. But we see as we were, as if we were to look again back at each of these verses, that we rejoice how? By remembering and ascribing goodness to God. The only way to truly rejoice is not to see and seek favorable circumstances in life, but to see and seek the Creator. Our situation and circumstances will change and wane, but the One who made us does not. The One who made you in His image and likeness loved you so much that He sent His only Son to bear the shame and pain of the cross so that your sins are forgiven. It is all it takes, my friends, to rejoice. Remember your Creator. The preacher here does not say, remember God, but remember Creator. The word Creator reminds us of the One who gives us everything we have. Our Creator made us and gave us life. Our Creator created family and friends and the church to support and surround us. Our Creator made this beautiful expanse of the world for us to live in and to reside over. As the preacher mentions earlier in Ecclesiastes, our Creator gives us wisdom and knowledge and joy. He gives us wealth and possessions and enables us to enjoy them abundantly. Now remember, in Christ Jesus, we are made new creations. We have been born again through Jesus Christ. Until Jesus returns, He wants us to remember Him by keeping His commandments, by celebrating the Lord's Supper, by writing His Word on our hearts and connecting in Christian community. We can take heart by remembering that He is always with us to help us remember Him. Matthew 28.20, we're reminded right after the Great Commission, He says, Remember, I am with you always, to the end of the age. Continuing back here in the text, we look at verse 10. Remove vexation from your heart and put away pain from your body. To rejoice, we can look to our Creator to remove annoyance, frustration, and worry. We see the parallel to rejoice and the calling on the Lord to remove anxiety in the Apostle Paul's letter to the Philippians, chapter 4, verses 4-7. through seven, It says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say, rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, 
which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Through prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, we allow the Lord to remove vexation and rejoice. And although we're called to rejoice in our youth by remembering our Creator, there are a couple cautions here that I don't want to skip over in verse 9. It says, rejoice, follow the passions of your heart, right? But remember and know that for all these things, God will bring you into judgment. The preacher reminds us here that the Lord is a righteous judge. and He can only tolerate perfection in His presence. We are invited to follow the inclination of our heart and the desire of our eyes, but are called to do so in life and love. As followers of Christ, we know to seek joy in what God has provided, not in ways that can only lead to pain and sorrow. Jesus has laid out many commandments to allow for responsible pleasure. And when Jesus returns, we will greatly rejoice in his presence. But here on earth, by remembering our Creator, notably in our youth, we can rejoice. In conclusion, I think we can circle back around to what this text is truly telling us about who God is. As the whole of the Bible is about who God is and the redemptive history of his people, this tells us. This text here tells us much about God and in light of that, who we are and how we are to respond. I think there's a handful of things. God has shown us that God, not us, but, or God is eternal. Right? That our time here on earth might be finite, but God is not. I think we see here that God is Creator with which we can rejoice in His creation. God has created all things. We see here, as we just talked about in verse 9, that God is a righteous judge. That God is a present help in time of need, able to remove annoyance, frustration, and worry. And as we acknowledge who God is in this text, we can't help but be in awe. So thankful for who He is and what He has provided. Rejoice in what Christ has done on our behalf. That we've been given eternal life in Christ Jesus. So with that, I invite us to consider a couple things here in conclusion throughout the rest of our week this week. First, I ask us to reflect on our mortality and sin. Spend some quiet moments with the Lord asking yourself, are there areas in my life that I haven't given to the Lord? Are there created things that I'm putting my faith and joy and trust in when I should be putting those in 
Christ and Christ alone. Secondly, I encourage us to reflect on the righteous judgment of God and the price paid by Christ Jesus for our sin. We serve a righteous God. But we can be encouraged by what we see in Romans chapter 6, verses 21 through 23, which says, But what fruit are you getting at that time from the things of which you are now ashamed? The end of those things is death. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the fruit you get leads to sanctification and its end, eternal life. For the wages of sin are death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Again, I encourage us to reflect on the righteous judgment of God and what we have in Christ Jesus. Take on the wrath of that judgment. I ask us to remember our Creator through His Word. Unlike the initial hearers of Solomon's sermon, we have the whole of Scripture with which to know and remember our Creator. Invest yourself in knowing the Word of God. Reading, studying your Bible, and writing the Word of the Lord on your hearts. Spend time in prayer, meditating on His Word. Quiet time in the presence of the living, enduring Word of God. Folks, I I don't have to say this. You know. But I'm inclined to encourage us to go deeper in the Word of God. To spend time with our Bible. There are some of us in here this morning who are neglecting personal time in the Word. Neglecting time with other followers to be spurred on in love and good works. It's impossible for us to remember our Creator unless we are consistently washing ourselves in the Word. Please. Please, I implore us, commit yourself, recommit yourself, decommit yourself to something that is not life-giving as the Word of God is. I implore you, if you need help with this, if you're struggling to be on the right track and spending time in the Word, to find someone who you can spend time with in the Word, to hold you accountable to spending time in His presence. Folks, we can only remember our Creator through His Word. Also, I encourage us to remember our Creator through Christian connection. Press into the church. Allow yourself to be pointed to your Creator by those in your midst. I know making time for other people is difficult. We get in our routines of life, focused on our own priorities, but I ask us, church, to find deeper connection with those to our left and to our right. Avail yourself to other members of the local church to 
so we can help point each other to our Creator. Finally, as an outworking of these things, we will see that we will rejoice. Church, as we press in and know our Creator, we will rejoice. We can ask the Lord to remove vexation from our hearts and pain from our body. If we're struggling to find satisfaction, we can see in Him all things were created. That all things that were created are good. So again, we will see then that we can rejoice as we, as we press in. So while life includes the cheer of youth, the preacher is urging us to be reminded of our mortality, exhibited by the evidences of old age and death, as a way to remember our Creator and rejoice in our days under the sun, especially in our youth. We remember our Creator in light of the truth of the Gospel and what Christ has done on our behalf, overcoming sin and death so that our future is not defined by the vanity of youth or the vanity of aging and death, but the promise of eternal life in Christ Jesus. Let us pray.